I'm always glad to be involved in mission work, whether it's here with things like the backpack program, the food pantry, and all the old local mission uh, points that we have. But when Jesus said, go to the uttermost parts of the world, I think he had Papua New Guinea in mind. Because I think when you're going down there, if you go too much further, you're already heading back. It's about as far away as you can get from here geographically and culturally. But the Hambrises have made it home. And uh, they're here just for a, a few months, of course, I think, to, till next summer. And uh, I'm glad to have them here to share with us what's been going on the last couple of years. A lot of Facebook posts and, and uh, newsletters we've been reading. Just fill us in on what's going on. Why don't you come and just take as much time as you need. Nobody here but us. Boy, Brother Gobble, you be careful telling a missionary to take as much time as he needs. He's used to preaching in another culture where time is not a thing. They don't wear watches, so don't be looking at your watch too much tonight, okay? Hey, um, very glad to be with you guys. Uh, really encouraging every time we come speak here. Brister, you guys are one of our churches. Uh, we love you. Your pastor, Brother Eric Goble, has been uh, just great for us over the years. Uh, we've really started this journey nine years ago, believe it or not. It'll be nine years um, this coming January that uh, my wife, Mandy, and at that time, only our two little girls, we left everything we know, and we headed for the uttermost parts of the earth. Uh, we found ourselves living among a people in Papua New Guinea, 7,000 feet up into the mountains, totally isolated from anything and everything, no modern conveniences, no road access. In fact, the only way that we could get there was to hop on a helicopter and make our way out there. We built a, a house, us and our, our family, along with two other families. We built three houses out there on this a piece of jungle property, um, 7,000 feet up into the mountains, right in the middle of the Wantakia people. We built our house in a village called Pinji, and there's 10 different villages. Uh, we built our houses there in Pinji, and you guys have kept up with us this entire way. We've come back a couple of times in nine years and updated you guys on what's been going on. You guys heard all about how, by God's grace and by His strength alone, we were able to learn the Wantakia people's unwritten tribal language. We're able to create an alphabet for it, start to teach them how to read and write, begin to translate Bible portions into it. And last time we were home, which was about three years ago, we said, everything is ready. We have prepared everything. We've translated the scripture portions that we want to teach. We've written down the Bible lessons that we have prepared to take them through from the beginning of God's word until the end. And we're ready. And as soon as we get back for the first time, uh, we're going to stand before the Wantakia people and we're going to tell them the story of God in their own language so that they can understand that, uh, so that they can trust in Jesus, the same Jesus that we trust in here. Um, he's the God and creator of the universe. He's the same one uh, who spoke everything there in their jungle world into existence, and he is the one who has made a way for them to be in a relationship with God as well. You guys have heard all about the process of from the start of this mission until the end, and I'm really excited tonight uh, to get to fill you in on what's happened in the last three years. But if you go back just a little bit, you'll remember that as we learned their language, uh, really, we felt like from the first day, looking forward, we had our work cut out for us. I don't know if you remember me telling you some of the first few days and weeks we were there, a tribal elder standing up on a high place in the middle of the village and yelling out to everyone, and there we were, as new language learners, with our little 
notepad and our pencils and wanted to be like, could you say that one more time and let me try to write that down? And like from knowing nothing, eventually, guys, what a, what a testimony to God's faithfulness and his goodness and his power to take people from southwest Arkansas, just little country bumpkins that just barely made it through school, and he would send us out to the middle of the jungle and expect us to learn an unwritten tribal language totally beyond ourselves. Only the power of God would be able to take people like us, just ordinary people from Magnolia, Arkansas, and from Buckner, uh, right down the road, especially from Buckner. Can you believe somebody from Buckner learned a tribal language? Unbelievable. Yeah, well, I actually brought my wife with me tonight. I don't know. We've been, we brought our family here, I think, once, and we had two curls uh, only at the time. If you look at your card here, you can see our family's grown a little bit in the last few years, and uh, I only brought my beautiful wife, Mandy, with me this time. I didn't think you guys would be able to handle all these girls at one time. You probably wouldn't listen to anything I had to say. But they're, they're spending time with, with Grandma this evening, and we're, we're happy that they're getting to do that. So by God's grace, as we were on our faces there for years, three years almost, three going on four years, it took us to learn their language from start to finish, to become fluent enough where we could stand up before them and speak the gospel message to them. What I want to do tonight is to describe what happened. What happened there on that piece of jungle ground high up on that mountain as God's word was presented to the Wantakia for the very first time in the history of the Wantakia people. I can't think of any better way to describe it than what is written down in Acts chapter 26. So if you have your Bible, turn there, and we're going to look at a passage uh, that's very familiar to us but I, I just can't think of a better way to describe what happened and is happening among the Wantakia people, and not just the Wantakia people, but what happens every time we stand before someone or sit beside them and open our mouths and share the gospel message, what an amazing thing happens every time the gospel message gets shared and every time Jesus is believed upon. So if you have your Bibles and you're looking at Acts chapter 26, I'm going, to pick back, I'm going to pick up in the middle of the story. Here Paul is standing before King Agrippa, and he's given a chance to give a testimony of why he's on trial by the religious leaders of his time who aren't happy that he's going around and sharing the gospel. So Agrippa gives him a chance to speak, and the first thing he does is to begin to tell the testimony of how he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. It's a very familiar passage for us, but I'm going to pick up in the middle, and then we'll talk about a few of the points here. I'm going to start in verse 15, 26 verse 15. Paul is talking to King Agrippa and he says, And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said to me, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and a witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles or the nations, or the ethnic people groups of the world, delivering you from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Paul here describes what Jesus spoke to him on the road to Damascus when he met him for the first time. Jesus describes exactly what Paul is going to go do. He's going to preach the gospel message. And when he does that, people's eyes are going to be opened to the truth about who God is and what, who they are and what he's done for them. 
And when that happens, it says, if people believe that gospel message, then they'll be taken from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God. They'll have their sins forgiven, and they'll be given a place among God's people, a place among those who are sanctified by faith in Jesus. Just before I get into the story of the Wantakia this evening, just for us to pause for just a moment and reflect on the magnitude of the gospel message that we've been given. Church, the stakes could not be any higher. We're talking about darkness and light, death and life. The gospel message that we've been given and entrusted with, the significance is eternal. Think about that just for a moment because most of the time we don't. Think about the significance of what this means for our family members, for our friends, for co-workers, and for entire people groups on planet Earth. Wow, significant. The stakes couldn't be higher. It's eternal. We're talking about eternal darkness or eternal light, eternal death or eternal life. The stakes are huge. So there the Wantakia people were, living in this darkness that Jesus described to Paul. Finally, we learned their language. We prepared all the Bible scripture portions that we wanted to teach, all the lessons that we were going to take them from the beginning of God's word until the end. We wanted to explain to them this gospel message, hoping that they would hear it in their language for the very first time and understand it and believe it. And, and what, would, what Jesus said to Paul here in Acts chapter 26, we were trusting God that that could happen there in the middle of the jungle in Papua New Guinea. So now it was our turn. It was our turn now that we knew their language to stand up in the middle of the village. And in the same way that that elder, tribal elder, would call the attention of the village and tell people to come, that's what we were able to do. Come, anybody who wants to hear the greatest story ever told, this is your chance. This is why we came, built our houses with you, went everywhere that you went, did everything that you did, spent all these years learning your language. Here we are. We want to tell you the story of God from beginning to end. And so what we did, we built a tarp house there in the middle of the village. Uh, I didn't bring a slideshow here this evening. This card you got is my slideshow. If you want to flip it over to the back, you'll get to see a picture of this teaching house that we built. And you'll see there, there's, there's pictures along the back wall. Uh, we started in the beginning of God's story. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We hung up pictures of what that looked like and all the animals. To the Wantakia people, they only knew what was in their little jungle and their eyes for the first time were being opened to a world that existed outside of their small little jungle life that they knew. That this creator God had created all these things. We did so many fun things as we taught them. We, we brought raisins. They'd never seen raisins before. And we talked about all the things that God made that, you know, all they eat is sweet potatoes and greens three times a day, every day. And, it, you know, it's good for the first few days we lived there. And eventually it got old. And we said, hey, there's things in the world that you don't even know about. We passed out little raisins and let them taste them and how they were just so sweet to the Wantakia's taste. And we said, this is the this, we're telling you about the God who made all these things. And they saw all these pictures and, and their, their minds and their eyes were being opened for the first time. 
And as we taught like that, we would give illustrations and tell stories just right there in their world. And, and one big thing that we told them as we started this story, we used an illustration that they could understand. It was the illustration of the bark cape. I want to describe the bark cape to you this evening. The bark cape is a piece of bark that the Wantakia take from a special tree. They strip the bark off of it in a big sheet, and then they take it home to their houses, and they get a special stone from down at the river, and they beat on this piece of bark for days upon end until it becomes really flat and really thin and really smooth until it's got the texture now of a blanket. And they put a rope in the middle of this thing, and it, it gets on their head kind of like a halo, and it covers them on their back. And it's like a rain jacket. They'll walk around their mountain gardens in the rain and in the sun, and it protects them from the elements. And they walk around with this bark cape covering their head. And at night, it gets into the 50s, which is really cold there uh, without insulation in your house. And they use this bark cape as a blanket. Everybody's got these bark capes. And so when we began this story, we told them, okay, guys, now that we've introduced God into the story, he's the main character. And by this point, Satan, God's lead angel, Lucifer, he was. He rebelled against God and, and, and he wanted to be God himself. And he took all these angels with him and these angels that rebelled, these are what God's word says about evil spirits. Now, we spent three years learning the Wantakia culture and language and we knew some of these things that we were telling them weren't going to sit well with the beliefs that they already had. The Wantakia lived in this exact darkness that Jesus described to the Apostle Paul. The Wantakia were held really in darkness by, by two lies from two sources. And really they had one source from the father of lies who we know that the Bible calls Satan, the enemy. The Wantakia had been told ancestor stories for thousands of years. Ever since God confused the languages at the Tower of Babel and spread people out all over the face of the earth, the Wantakia made their way from the Tower of Babel to their small area of jungle there in Papua New Guinea. And for thousands of years, they believed lies from Satan. They had creation stories of where they came from, an evil spirit being named Wosinye who created evil spirits first, and their job was to harm people. And so the Wantakia lived in fear every day of these evil spirits, and they would do all kinds of crazy chants and rituals to try to ward off the evil spirits or ensure blessings from them or whatever they could do not to get harmed by them. They would go out and take leaves off of the jungle and speak magic words to them and put it out for the, the evil spirit to hear and say, okay, you evil spirit, I've given you a sweet potato. Don't harm me, I'm just passing through. And their only hope in the spiritual life to not be harmed by the spirit world around them was magic words um, that they thought could trick evil spirits. And when they learned that God created angels, and he, he didn't create them evil, not like their ancestors had told them. No, God created angels good, and they rebelled. And now these are the spirits that live in your jungles. There's nothing that you can do to appease them. Uh, you are powerless before them. And they began to see that God was the only one who could help them. He's the only one who could save them from the evil spirits. But that wasn't even their biggest problem, as we'll get to here in a second. They also had another thing that kept them in darkness. It was their false religion. 
About 50 years before we moved there, missionaries came in and they didn't learn their language uh, and they, they tried to tell them in the trade language of Papua New Guinea about the creator God of the Bible. And whatever the missionaries told, here's what the Wantakia heard. That God, or Wosinye, they didn't know the difference between the spirit being or this God uh, that the missionaries were telling them about. But God, all he cared about was getting you into heaven. And if you wanted to get there, all you had to do was be sprinkled with water and have your name written on a piece of paper. It's called a baptism card. And if you get one of these pieces of paper, and if when you die you're buried with this piece of paper, then God, when he sees that piece of paper, he'll take you to heaven. And so here the Wantakia were in this darkness that Jesus describes to Paul, their ancestor stories, their false religion. And so we began to tell them the story of God in their own language, and now they're understanding, wow, this God is not Wosinye, the evil spirit being who we thought created the world. No, he's a good God. He created good things like sweet potatoes and and, and greens and, and raisins. We didn't even know about raisins, but look at all these things God created. So when we began to tell them this story, and we introduced this illustration of the bark cape. And we told them like this. Satan and God, they both have bark capes. And everything that belongs to Satan, it goes underneath his bark cape. And everything that belongs to God, it goes underneath his bark cape. So if you see your picture there, you'll see we've got two bark capes hung up in this teaching house. Here on the left-hand side is Satan's bark cape. It's nasty and old. It's got holes all in it. And on the right side, we've got God's bark cape. It's brand new. It's nice. It's clean. It's strong. And the first thing that we did, we told them that. Satan, he's the author of lies. Every lie that's ever come into existence has its origin in Satan. So anytime that we are studying God's word together, we're going to come up against lies from Satan. And when we hear those lies from Satan, we're going to ask you where they belong. And you'll have to decide, do they come from Satan or do they come from God? And we said, God, on the other hand, he always tells the truth. We're going to hear his word, and every time he speaks, every time he says something's going to happen, it always happens. Every time he says he's going to do something, he always does it. He is the origin of truth. And so as we taught them God's word, every time, every story, God's word would clash with Satan's lies. And every time we would say, guys, where does this talk come from? Does it come from God or Satan? And if it was a lie in unison, the entire village who was coming, hundreds of people, they would say, that's a lie. We'd say, where did it come from? It came from Satan. Put it underneath his bark cape. And this was the way, the struggle back and forth with truth from God's word and, and lies from Satan. And eventually that led us to the creation story of man. When we first introduced this character, Adam, wow, he was the hero of the story. God had created this Adam man, this first man in his image, and he set him over all of creation. And the Bible tells us that every single person, no matter the color of their skin or the language that they speak, everybody comes from Adam. And the Wantakia thought, wow, this Adam guy, he must be the hero of this story you guys are telling us. He's like in God's image. He's, he's ruling over the world. And we told him everything that belongs to God is underneath his bark cape. So we said, guys, God made Adam. Where does Adam belong? And they said, he belongs under God's bark cape. And we said, that's right. We took Adam's name 
Adama. And we, we nailed it right underneath God's barcade. Wow, they were so proud. They thought, wow, look, look, he's our ancestor. And they, they, they were saying things like, hey, this story, wow, it goes all the way back. Our story, it only takes us over that mountain ridge. All we know is that our people came from over that mountain. But where the people before us who were there before that, that we, we have no idea. This story is going all the way back to the very first man. Wow, what a story you guys are telling us. To illustrate that, we hung up a timeline. I don't know if you can see it, a, a piece of white wood there. We put little ticks on it that represented every 10 years. We started, we told them, hey, look, every 10 years, and we started to count, which is really difficult in Wantakia. We started to say, poi, porai, poropoi, poroporai, asi, and then, and then they got the point when they heard us stumbling through that. We're like, we get the point. You guys don't have to keep counting, okay? So we told them, look, all the way back here, the story that you guys have heard from your ancestors about how you came from that mountain range, it's way down here at the end of this timeline. We're going back thousands of years, and God is telling us about the very first man, and he's telling us that everybody comes from this one man, Adam. Wow, he's the hero, they thought. Yes, this story is our story. It's telling us where we come from and why we're here. And what a sad day it was for them to hear Genesis chapter 3 when who they thought was the hero of the story, Adam, he walks away from God. We told him, guys, in the way that Adam goes, we're all going to go, okay? We're going to follow whichever direction he goes. They're ready. They're waiting. How's Adam going to, hey, what's he going to do? And he walked away from God. And as a result, anybody, everybody who came after Adam, they were born separated from God as well. What a sad day when we took Adam's name from out from under God's bark cape, ripped that piece of wood that had Adam's name and brought it over here and nailed that. You could have heard a pin drop as these people for the first time are realizing why they are the way that they are, why their world is the way that it is. It's because of sin. It's because of Adam's sin. Because our ancestor walked away from God. And so here the Wantakia were, left without any hope. Now we're learning that every single person on planet Earth, and they're hearing every single person sitting underneath this tarp house that we've built. Everybody who can hear the sound of our voice. Guys, we have come from this man, Adam, separated from God. And unless God does something for us, there is nothing that we can do to save ourselves. They heard that truth for the first time and it began to dawn on them that some of the things that they had been doing with their false religion, God wasn't going to accept that. God didn't accept when Adam and Eve tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. What did he do in the story? He sacrificed an animal. He shed its blood. The, the payment for sin is death, we told them. And unless God was going to do something for them, they were going to remain there forever underneath Satan's bark cape. But God illustrated the way in which someone could come to him. And then right there in the beginning of this story, God made a promise. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, he speaks to Satan, the enemy, Yagamange in the Wantakia language, and he says, I'm going to send someone through the seed of the woman. You're going to strike his heel, 
But at the same time, while you strike his heel, his heel is going to come down and crush your head. And this was the first, first glimmer of hope for the Wantakia people as they heard they came from Adam, born underneath Satan's bark cape, but God had made a promise that he was going to send someone through the seed of the woman who was going to crush the head of Satan and deliver those who were born that way. Now, Adam wasn't the hero of the story anymore. He was the zero of the story, but now there was this light of this gospel message that was beginning to dawn on the Wantakia people. There's a promised Savior, and that's why we're hearing this story. We took them through the Old Testament, all the major stories that they would need to hear and understand so that when Jesus came, it would all make sense. Imagine trying to teach a people in another language who had never heard about a sheep before. All they knew were pigs, and, and you know, they weren't sacrificing pigs in the Old Testament if you've ever read it. That's not, they didn't want anything to do with pigs, and all they had in Wantakia were pigs, and so we had to teach them what a sheep was. I don't know if you can see your picture, but we had to make a sheep out of plywood and explain all about what a sheep is and what sheep do and how you look after them and just go into detail and all the things that God did to prepare the Israelite people and the rest of the world to be able to understand what was needed for their salvation and exactly what this promised Savior would do. We finally made our way through the Old Testament as we taught the Wantakia every day, Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. We would yell out, and here they would come. It's time to hear God's word in your language. And they would come and they would hear. And every day, Monday through Friday, 7 a.m., for about two months, just a little portion of God's word at a time, it built itself, foundation upon foundation, the story of God revealed in this way. They got to hear God reveal who he was, say and make promises and, and be good on those promises. They were seeing that every time God spoke, he always did what he said he would do. And they're saying, I think we could probably trust this guy. Every time he speaks, he speaks truth. And they waited and they waited for this promised Savior who would take us. They're convinced at this point. We taught them the law and how God gave the law to show us that we were sinners. They, they, they began to see this, this whole baptism card idea. Wow, we've been really fooled by Satan. There's no way that we can take this bark cape off, so to speak. There's no way we can leave this Satan family. We come from Adam. Uh, a baptism card is not going to help us. In fact, there's nothing we can do. We've seen that. If God doesn't go good on this Savior, if he doesn't send him, we're in trouble. We're going to remain in darkness forever, and we're going to be separated from God that way forever. Finally, we got to the New Testament. Jesus was born, and how excited they were to hear that the Savior who had been promised was born. When Jesus was born, and, and the story goes that he was born in a, in a stable and laid in a manger, and, you know, we hear that story all the time, and we've, we've grown accustomed to it, and sometimes it's just not that fresh for us, and for the Wantakia people, it's the first time that God who promised this Savior, all the way back in the beginning of the story, he, he gave him, and, and the Son of God who came, they said, he came for people just like us. Look, he's, he's laying where the animals lay. It's like, that's just like us. We live with the pigs and the chickens and the dogs. That's, he came for people just like us. 
And his coming was very good news. And not long after that, he walks up to John the Baptist. And John declares and yells out, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Wow. These hearts who had been prepared for this Lamb. They had seen all through the Old Testament. Cain and Abel. Noah. Abraham and Isaac. All these people who brought sacrificial lambs. The Israelite people in the tabernacle and the temple. And now... John says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And wow, the people had really been paying attention right there. They got it. He's the one. He is going to do the work. Exactly how and what he's going to do, I'm not quite sure, but I think he's going to die. I I think he's going to take our place. I I think somehow he's going to be the one who dies in our place. And sure enough, As the story progressed through the life of Christ, we eventually made it to his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And the Wantakia people, those who lived in our village of Penji Village, they came and they heard that gospel message with their hearts prepared. There they were. We acted all these things out. We would read the scripture, speak, and explain some things, and we would act all these things out. And they, like it was done before their very eyes, They got to hear it in their own language and they got to see Jesus hanging on a cross. And in their own language, they got to hear him cry out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And they heard the gospel truth that for the first time in the history of the world, God the Father and God the Son, because of the sin of the entire world, was placed on Jesus They were separated for the first time so that we would not have to be. They got to hear in their own language the last words that Jesus said. And he took his last breath and he died. The three best words, I think, almost in the English language. It is finished. Jesus declared from the cross that there was nothing left for anyone to do. He had taken on the sin of the world. And us who came from Adam, who were underneath Satan's bark cape, who could never take ourselves from here and bring ourselves over to God, Jesus said, I did it all. I have done all the work. I am the lamb. I'm laying my life down in your place, and I've done it all. There's nothing left for you to do other than believe. They got to hear Jesus say that, and then they got to see. We hung up a sheet, and the curtain in the temple ripped in two, and you could just hear a gasp in the crowd as they realized that now the way to be in a relationship with God was now opened by Jesus Christ, his son. Wow, what a gospel message. And for the first time in the history of the Wantakia people, on that day, many men, women, and children heard that message in their own language, and people who lived in total darkness, they saw the light of the gospel, and they believed on Jesus, and they became children of God. Amen? Wow, what an amazing thing to happen in the middle of the jungle, that God would use people who, in their own strength, would never be able to do something like that. Man, guys, I hope you don't think you got to be somebody special to share the gospel, because 
if people like us can stand up and stutter and stammer like we did in the Wantakia language, you who can speak your language very easily to express this simple gospel message, God can do the same thing through you. On that day, the Wantakia church was born. These men, women, and children who believed that gospel message, that day, just like Jesus told Paul, they were taken from darkness, from Satan's power, and they were delivered over to light. They received a place among God's people. As we told them God's story, we said, it's like God take, took that bark cape off of you and clothed you with his bark cape. Now you belong to him. We told you everything that belongs to God goes underneath his bark cape. And now you are underneath God's bark cape. You have trusted in Jesus and become one with him. And now Jesus' father has become your father. Jesus' spirit has become your spirit. You are one with God and in his family and can never be taken out. Now we want to teach you, we told them, what it's like to live underneath God's bark cape. What does it look like to walk around with God's bark cape on? When you go to your garden or when you're in your house at night, you got God's bark cape on. What does he want you to do now as his child? So we took them through the book of Acts. We began to explain to these new believers what a church was, what prayer is, what, how do we worship God? What are we going to continue to do from here on out? And it was so cool to watch our new Wantakia believing family, the family of God now on that mountain, express their worship to this God who had done all the work for them, who had taken them out of Satan's darkness and delivered them into his light. They began to learn how to speak to God as their father. They began to write their own worship songs uh, in their own language. I didn't plan on doing this, but I want Mandy to come up here. We're going to just sing a little worship song for you. Everybody want to hear what that sounds like? <laughs> didn't tell her I was going to do this. I actually was going to do it myself, and then I got a little scared, and so I asked my wife to come up here and do it with me. So we might bumble on the words a little bit here, but it's been a few months, so we're going to sing a song, and, and then I'll translate it. So they began to write their own worship songs based on the truth from God's Word that they had heard, and they began to sing these to the Lord and tell Him thank you. So we're going to just sing that. You ready? Okay, so that line was, wait, stay here, we're going to sing one more. Okay, so that line was, Jesus is the Savior for all of us sinful people. He, like a lamb, died in our dying place, okay? Okay, so that said that therefore about him, let's just believe. That's our work. That is the work that God wants us to do. Believe me, coming from a people who did a lot of work that God would accept them, this is great news. That God did all the work for us and we just believe. And it says, therefore, since he's done all the work and we've believed and now we're one with him, let's just tell him thank you. Let's just tell him thank you. All right, let's give a round of applause for Mandy. Wasn't that good?
So here we are for the last really two years with these new believers. We have just been teaching them God's word. First, I said we took them through the book of Acts. What is a church? We, we're going to start meeting as a church. Okay, look, those who believe the gospel, they show it, and they go down in the water and get baptized. Like, it's not this sprinkle and get this card. No, no. There's something totally different going on here. And they follow the Lord in baptism. They identified themselves. Man, they received persecution from other religious leaders who were there who were not happy that they were trusting in Jesus and becoming a part of the church. Uh, that was difficult for us to go through, but their new faith and their Savior, Jesus Christ, was growing and it was strong. We, we were meeting as a church and we, we told them, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna sing songs. That's one way we're going to worship the Lord. But another way is we're going to give testimonies of the Lord's faithfulness in our lives. That's God helped you this week. Stand up and let's, let's tell the rest of the church how God's helped you. And l- let's let everybody else hear that and think, wow, God, he really could help me. And so the first... Sunday, we, we said we'd try this out. Our just brand new baby believers. We said, anybody, God help anybody this week. Anybody want to stand up and, you know, just say what the Lord did? And one guy stood up and raised his hand and said, I, I, I got it. I want to say, this brand new, brand new guy, an older gentleman. Wow, the, the, where the Lord took this guy from the darkness that was in his heart to now he's a child of God. It's just a story in and of itself. But he stands up and he says, I just want to thank God. Last night, me and my wife got into a fight. And I took my machete and I threw it at her. And this is a normal thing, okay? So I threw my machete at her, but in midair, the machete turned and it hit her on the rear with the blunt end. And I'm so thankful that it didn't cut her. And I just want to thank God that I didn't cut my wife last night. And the whole congregation, yell, clapping, and me and my other missionary coworkers were looking at each other like, I don't know, we're probably not going to write this in the next newsletter, right? But we joined in, yeah, that's right. Hey, the Lord, he does look after us. And we'll talk about that machete incident a little bit later, don't worry. We're going to talk about marriage too. Uh, another guy, my good friend Bussey, he's pictured here in this picture. I wish I had all night to tell you about some of the people who have trusted in Christ and become a part of God's family with us. But Bussey... He stood up and he said, I got a testimony. Okay, Bussey, come on, tell us. He said, I just want to thank God that he provides chewing tobacco and cigarettes for us. And everybody clapping, and here we were again looking around. Oh, yeah, all right. Yeah, that's right. Praise the Lord. And here we are, just baby steps. We're just, you know, like they heard the very first thing about prayer was that we could call God our Father, and we could tell him thank you. That was like very simple. We're going to tell him thank you. We're going to say, help us, and we're going to say thank you. And and we did. We started asking God for help. We started telling him thank you. And and this very simply, the church has been growing in their understanding of who the Lord is and what he's done. Uh, The next thing we did, we we took them, uh, started to take them through some of the epistles. We're translating, continuing to translate God's word. The first epistle we translated was the book of Ephesians. Um, We translated that, and we began to teach, and you know, you start getting to chapters 5 and 6, you start hearing about marriage. And wow, we started to rock the world of the Wantakia people. Um, you know, we're pretty normal daily basis to throw a machete or whack somebody over the head with a log. It's just this how it goes. And so we're hearing uh, God's version of marriage and how it's completely different. Uh, Bussey and Wombland. Uh, Bussey, before he became a believer, used to beat his wife all the time. 
She could not have children. She was barren, and he blamed her. He would beat her and tell her, you're not the last woman on earth. I could replace you so easily. And they would do all that they could in their own strength. They would go to the bush doctor, and they would take these magic leaves that they thought would help them to have children, and they would eat them, but they still were unable to have children. And and finally, Busse and Woonland got to hear God's word in their own language. And they heard that God is the author of life. And later they, they heard that God, the author of life, did all the work for them to be in his family. And, and both, Busse and Woonland, they trusted Jesus. And they became a part of the church and they began to grow. Busse apologized to his wife for all that he had done and the way that he had acted before they got married. Complete transformation in his heart. And it, and it wasn't like, you know, just overnight. The Lord, he works Aren't we glad that he's patient with us? He's patient with Busse and Woonland too. Just as we're learning about marriage, Busse came to my area one day where my house is, and he said, hey, I I want to tell you, um, me and Woonland, we got into a fight again last night. Yeah, okay. He says, yeah, but I didn't hit her. I said, wow, yeah, that's great. You know, like we're high-fiving out in the yard that he didn't hit his wife, you know? But he said, yeah, but, you know, I did get... My, my stomach, it did, it did get hot. That's the way he described it there in Wachakee. My stomach got real hot, though. I didn't hit her, but I kicked the saucepan over with all the food in it. I didn't hit her, but I kicked the saucepan over. I said, oh, man, that's all right, you know. He said, hey, but I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit, you remember how God's Word told us that when we trust in Jesus, we become one with Him, and His Spirit becomes ours. And he comes and lives inside of us. Yeah, I remember that, but I said, yeah. Well, I want to tell you, Holy Spirit told me, right after I did that, that I was wrong. And I said, and I responded and said, yeah, you're right. And I told God I was sorry. Remember how we can tell God we're sorry when we sin and he forgives us? Yeah, I remember that bus day. I did that. And I told my wife I was sorry too. And here we are high-fiving out in the yard. Just God is teaching us how to live underneath his bark cape. Bus A and Woman began to pray. They began to see that they had a father in heaven who loved them, who could provide for them. Anything that they needed, they needed to ask God for it. Wow, never. Man, they would depend on dreams, bush doctors, anything but God. And now they're saying God loves them. He's their father. He wants them to come to him. They began to pray about everything that they needed. But one thing they hadn't started praying about was the ability to have a child. And so they prayed for about a year, and and eventually God provided a child for Busse and Woonland. Just their... They're learning how to depend on the Lord, how to live underneath his bark cape. And that's just one story of Busse and Woman. They both went through our literacy program. We created an alphabet and started to teach the Wantakia how to read and write. They both went through and Busse, man, this guy, he used to be the most arrogant man in all the village. We have seen this man become the humblest person because he's trusted in Jesus, the humble Savior. He has God's spirit living inside of him and his humility just comes out. He's become a, a literacy teacher now. And he showed faithfulness in that. And now we're training Busse to be a Bible teacher. So we've got Busse and these few other men who were now training as Bible teachers. And, and just six months ago, before we, we, we came back here, because Busse and Woonland and all the other new believers, they're living their faith out as best they can. They're, they're walking around, so to speak, with God's bark cape on, and people are noticing that their lives are different. And people are becoming interested. Like, hey, that, 
That story y'all heard from start to finish that time in our own language, any chance we could hear that again? We said, absolutely. So we built that tarp house again, and this time we asked Busse and a few other men to help us teach. The same thing, Monday through Friday, 7 a.m., we yelled out, whoa, 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 and come on, it's time to hear it again. And just six months ago with Busse and these other guys that were training, lots of people came and heard God's word, and, and 30 new uh, people heard the gospel, trusted in Jesus, were baptized, and now are part of the church. And this is just what God is doing on one small mountain there in the jungle. But he's doing this not just because Mandy and I and our family and these two other families are the ones out there doing it. Guys, this is a work that we are doing. You guys, nine years ago, before we ever set foot on Papua New Guinea soil, we said God is sending us to go and do this thing. Out with this unreached people group, we want to try to learn their language, create an alphabet, translate the Bible, teach it to them. Will you guys join us in this mission? And you said yes. And for the last nine years, you guys have been praying for us, giving towards our ministry. And because of this church, Brister Baptist in Emerson, Arkansas, has partnered with the Hambrice family and sent us there. And wow, what a testimony to God's faithfulness that Nine years ago when we said, we feel like God's leading us to do this thing, and you guys have just walked with us through that. You've kept up with us on Facebook. You've prayed for us. We've been flat on our faces out there in the jungle, and we know that because of some of your prayers, you guys have said, God, help. Well, I don't even know what their needs are. Just help the Hambrice family, and he did, and he picked us up, and we kept going. Many times we've wanted to pack it up and go home, but God, he helps us every time, and we know that that's based on uh, many churches just like this who have partnered with our family to go and reach the Wantakia people. So as an action step, I want to leave you uh, with this prayer card. Guys, the work is not finished. Um, our desire is to completely hand over God's word in their language to faithful men and women who are able to teach others as well. We started the process of that. We've given our literacy program completely over into the hands of the Wantakia, and now with this process of training Busse and these other men, we want to say, just like, Acts, just like Paul did in Acts chapter 20 when he spoke to the Ephesian elders, he says, I have been faithful and I have taught you the entire counsel of God. Look after the flock of God. That one day, in just a few years, we hope, we're going to tell men, elders of the Wantakia church, we're going to say, guys, we've taught you God's entire counsel. Take God's word and faithfully shepherd your people. And that's our goal. We're going to be doing that for the next few years, and we're excited to continue to do that with Brister Baptist here in Emerson, Arkansas. You guys are part of what we're doing. Thank you. Would you continue to be a part by taking this card, putting it somewhere in your Bible or on your refrigerator? We've told you what we need you to pray for. Would you please pray for these things? Please, we need you to pray for us. This, we don't have time to tell the, the opposition. Satan is, is not pleased with what's going on on that that mountain there in the jungle of Papua New Guinea. He has opposed the gospel message, and we believe that it is through the prayers of God's people that we're going to succeed, that the Lord is going to win more people into his kingdom. He's going to take people from the power of Satan and this darkness and deliver them into his kingdom. I'm going to leave you with this. Guys, two things. We have heard the gospel message tonight. Just like the Wantakia heard it very clearly in their own language, I spoke to you in a language you can understand. From start to finish, there's this one thing. Jesus, the one who God promised, he's already been sent. 
We've already heard that he did all the work for us. He said it was finished. And if there's anybody here who has not trusted in Jesus, you're still underneath Satan's power and you're in darkness. But guys, the good news is that God doesn't want you to remain there. He wants to take you right now. The work's already been done. There's nothing left for you to do but to trust in the one who did it all. Jesus will take you right now from darkness and he'll place you in his family and you'll be there forever and you'll never be separated. Believe on Jesus right where you're sitting. You don't have to get up and do anything. Right now, speak to the Lord and say, I believe you did everything for me. Save me, please. I want to belong to you. And it's over. You've done it because he did it. That's one. Second, guys, again, I'll say it one last time. This gospel message, it has eternal consequences. Please, please, let's don't neglect our responsibility as the ones who hold this gospel message. Do not let it stop with you. Do not let it stop with you. Speak it and teach it to your children, to your family members, to your friends and your coworkers. May it never be that we stop sharing this gospel message. All right, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to turn it over to Brother Eric, and I think we'll probably sing one hymn of invitation. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this church and that, God, we've been able to partner together for the sake of the gospel among the Wantakia people. Um, thank you for all that you've done there in the jungle, God. It's just only by your power and by your grace because you've been there with us. God, because you've answered our prayers and you've given us strength when we needed it. God, we're going to continue to need you to do that, God. I pray that the people of this church would be faithful to continue to pray for us um, and to bring our needs and the, the needs of their new brothers and sisters in Christ on, on that side of the ocean and on that mountain and that jungle, God. Um, the Wantakims, they need you. I think of Busse and Woomlin and these other church members, these other children of yours, God. Pray, Lord, please strengthen them and help them to walk with you. Help us too, Lord. Um, God, help any of us tonight who have not trusted in your son to do it tonight. Don't leave this room until we've done it. And God, help us to be faithful to preach the gospel message wherever we go. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll do something a little different. Let's, uh, let, let's sing a song of invitation right now. And here's the thing. The gospel message has been presented very clearly. And let me tell you this. Whether it's here at Brister or in Papua New Guinea, it is the power of God to salvation. We're seeing that. Let's just talk to us. Here's a family that has stuck with something for nine years. Nine years, step after step after step, to do the work God's called them to do. Have we stuck with anything for nine years? Maybe you hadn't said, man, I, I hadn't stuck with God's work for five, nine years. I'm off and on, hot and cold, and I'm so sorry. Maybe this is just a time for you to just Take stock, and what have I stuck with for nine years to do the work of God? This would be a good time to do that. Maybe you need to come. Maybe you want to come and pray for this family or for our church family and what we're doing. We're just standing to sing an invitation to him. What are we going to sing, Brother Rich? Just as I am.